Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging technologies, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys, finding the groove for all of this in today's digital world. I am John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my company, J. Arnold and Associates. And I'm Chris Fine. I'm an independent consultant and strategist specializing in workplace technology, IoT, and security. My company is Integrative Technologies. Hi, everybody. Hi, John. How are things? Lots to report, right? Lots to report. Yeah, let's just say I was spent way too much time in an airport last night, but I am oh. back in Canada, over the border. <laughs> Safely uh, over know, the border. Safely vaccinated, testing negative. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cause another wave of virus spread or anything like that. Well, that's good to know. And I hear that you were able to get out of your home office for the first time in three years and go to a conference, which was the Enterprise Connect down in Florida. And I wondered how that went. I thought maybe we could talk about that this time. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it sure is. It's certainly the first major in like industry event. Um, yeah, since 2019. Uh, I think the last one I was at was in February 2019, which would have been IT Expo and the Future of Work uh, sub event that I run down there. Um, since then, I've been, you know, I've been to one or two small vendor events, but a big one like this, you know, if people don't know it, if this is the, uh, you know, it's just Enterprise Connect. It's been around a long time, and its nor its regular home is in Orlando, and. Uh, you know, this is if you've been in the show business before, and we've certainly been involved producing events, Chris, and programming them, and you kind of know how much planning goes in and how much risk there is to do, even with a strong franchise like this one. But, you know, the last two attempts they had at doing in person had to get canned, uh, mostly at the last minute, because when the big sponsors decide it's not safe to travel when the Googles and Microsofts and you know these kind of companies start to pull out the dominoes fall pretty quick and despite every effort you have to keep it happening once the tide is too high you just can't you can't swim upstream anymore and you just have to pull the plug and go virtual and I just feel bad you know a show this big and strong had to endure two cycles of that and almost a third but fortunately, it's, you know, the, the viruses have kind of subsided enough that there's enough, you know, there's a critical mass of people willing and able to travel to make last week uh, worth, uh, worth doing. And, that, and that's notable in itself. Well, with all that said, John, what did you think about the, the, the foot traffic and the vendor presence? Was it, I mean, was it encouraging as a trend to say that we're really getting back to this was there enough was there enough interest i i think so if you've never been to this event you would have been impressed just seeing what was there if you've been to this previously you'll know that the you know the the, the foot traffic as you say chris is probably two times more maybe three times more what was there um, I've always called this the Super Bowl of our industry. It really is the biggest and most important. It's not like the 
Consumer Electronics Show or, you know, or, or Mobile, Mobile World Congress of tens of thousands. But, you know, it's definitely a few thousand people. And so it's a big group. And this convention center is certainly built for it. So, you know, even though the numbers are down from what it felt like before, it didn't feel like an empty show. You know, the show floor still had plenty of plenty of exhibitors, plenty of foot traffic. And uh, if anything, it was better to have it on the lighter side because it never felt crowded, right? You could just feel you could walk around, you know, you need to wear a mask inside the hotel. And once you get on the show floor, it gets a little hard to police all of that. But yeah, it was good. You didn't really feel like you were pushed up against people in a train or something like that. It wasn't ever like that. So that made it really, I thought it made it feel more comfortable that way for the whole overall, you know, vibe. You know, the show has to take its own precautions for liability purposes, of course. So they have to stress all of their policies. And of course, you can't get into the venue without showing, you know, demonstrating you have proof of vaccination, that kind of thing, which is standard everywhere, I guess. But once you're in, you're in. And then you just, you know, you don't have to walk far to bump into someone, you know, you haven't seen in a couple of years. And, you know, as, as we remember, Chris, from Vaughn days, you know, the anticipation of going back to the next one, you know, imagine having a couple of them put on hold and then getting back, you know, that first time back, it's like, you know, it's like a family reunion almost. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Did you feel that there was, um, uh, I'm just curious, because I, this is something I, I always ask, did you feel that there were customers there? Did you feel that the enterprises sent representatives as well as the vendors? I I believe so. Uh, I had a hard time gauging that. The, the, the guys on the show floor are the best judges, really. Um, from what I sensed talking to them, it, it, there there was a fair, you know, there was decent traffic from potential buyers. I don't know, honestly, though, how much this is a trade show in, in the sense of, you know, people buying and selling. I I definitely see it as a good venue for partnerships, right, to get, get formed uh, for, you know, distri distribution channels and uh, for technology partners. For sure, I can see that. But I, I, I don't want to speculate further to say, oh, well, there were a lot of, you know, six-figure deals done there. I can't say. I don't wouldn't have enough visibility to that, and I'll tell you as an analyst, if there's one big drawback, as always, to these events, our time is at such a premium, we never get enough time to walk the floor and get a feel for that kind of vibe and talk to the exhibitors and say how's business. I wish I had more time to do that, as well to have attended more sessions, because you get a feel from like the audience participation, who's in the audience. And occasionally, you know, the good speakers and moderators at events will always pull the audience to get a feel for who's in the room because you don't really know. Um, I will tell you in terms of the kind of when we talk about buyers, because that's what we want at these shows, right? Certainly for what my services are as an analyst, there was plenty of interest in what I do. That, so I'll, that, that much I will say. <laughs> so the, for analysts, I think business was good. Uh, for the exhibitors, I, I can't say for sure, but I, I, I can follow up on that and talk to some of the some of them because I will be in touch with quite a few of the vendors over the next few days. Well, it sounds like the vibe was positive, and you had your own 
subprogram, right? Uh, how'd that go? Yeah, so I did a, a talk on speech tech, and I think we've yeah we've highlighted this uh, on previous podcasts. And uh, if you follow my my newsletter or my blog, folks, you know I, I certainly have to you know use those platforms to promote it because we want people to attend, right? So um, this is the fifth year I've done an update talk on the state of speech tech in the enterprise. Um, speech tech these days, uh, you know, just to quickly repeat stuff I've said before, but speech tech is largely being driven the innovation by AI. As you know, AI is driving everything now. There's just no getting around it. And the stuff you can do with speech when it is paired with AI is, is not just impressive, um, and it really does have a lot of good applications in the enterprise, but I think more importantly, speech is just, it's just along for the ride. In, in other words, in my view, AI has solved most of the problems around the speech tech challenges that we normally think about in terms of being accurate in capturing what's been said, but now it's getting more effective at understanding what's been said, anticipating what's been said, reading sentiment into what's being said. I mean, that's what, what AI adds beyond just capturing, you know, what's been, you know, the words. Um, and then it gets more interesting because now AI, as I said, is driving everything. So when we talk about collaboration, the process of collaboration, now it's becoming AI driven and speech is really just, I'm finding it's, it's more of a, an enabling technology where you use speech to, you know, a, a, as kind of a, a vessel to, it, to converse and interact with applications. So this whole person to machine, machine to person layer, which is different from the person to person that we use, like when we're talking here to each other, right, Chris, or on a phone call. Right. Well, you and I have talked before about how, it, you know, once speech becomes the natural or most capable method of interacting person to machine and machine to person, then that opens up a whole lot of things, some questions too, but certainly that's the most natural form of input output for human beings and anything else is very kind of artificial. You know, like we don't we don't think about it so much anymore because we've had typing, for example, for 150 or more years um, and everybody grows up just doing that. But if speech becomes the preferred and it becomes rich as rich an interface as it is human to human, then it kind of changes the equation. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and that's where these shows can kind of blend into other shows. Right. So. You know, there's a lot of activity, you know, in the world of robotics, you know, and uh, even like RPA. Uh, so when you start looking at verticals like manufacturing, obviously it's driven almost entirely now by AI and, and all forms of automation. And we're not quite there yet in the collaboration world and the workplace world, but it's getting easier to see the overlaps of how these things are coming together. So one of the really interesting focus areas at the show, which which is quite new, is, you know, is things like holograms and Microsoft Mesh. It's things that I've been talking about for a while now, but frankly, I think I'm just 
ahead of the curve on this stuff because I don't see anybody else talking about it but now it's starting to so there was a track on AR and VR by a colleague of mine Tom Brannon and uh, he's the only other guy I see in this space doing a lot of kind of connecting these dots but it's, it's really interesting because it, it it becomes easier so I you know I mentioned uh, Vaughn earlier right Chris with Jeff Pulver and I know Jeff would be smiling if he was listening to our podcast because He'd immediately be saying, Pulveria, you see, I was right. And in a sense, yes, he was right, but he wasn't the only guy doing this, right? We had Second Life. We had, uh, uh, what's it called, the one that Avaya had, um, Virtual Platform, Web Alive. All right, so these things have been around a long time. And one of my favorite themes in this space, as we know, Chris, is sometimes when you can be too early, sometimes you can be too late with technologies, right? And so... Second Life, even though it's still around, right, was early relative to what computers could do and the Internet could do. But today, it just seems like, oh, well, this seems like almost like first nature now. And so mm -hmm. we're getting, I think, these first glimpses. And for a lot of people there, it's very early when you start talking about having a hollow lens and, you know, looking at these things through these altered states, so to speak, with virtual reality. It's be, it, I, I think this is the first time you can say, oh, people are starting to get it and see that, oh, this stuff isn't that far-fetched. So I, I guess what I struggle with a little bit is I, I, I agree with you, but I think that's kind of a step or two down the line. I think right now there are so many issues with the emerging world of how work is evolving and so many issues with just trying to communicate using more traditional means like, for example, mixed meetings where some people are in the office and some of them aren't, and managing the flow of junk communications and all these other aspects of being more efficient and more productive in a changing world that one would think some of the same technologies could be applied to. But I feel as though that there's kind of a leap to the metaverse without thinking about the intermediate step. But maybe, uh, maybe I'm not right about that. And maybe at the conference you saw evidence to the contrary like what are the vendors doing today to um you to, to build more speech tech into kind of the way we interact now and in the next few years well i didn't see anything new like like they have you know they, have, they haven't already done uh in enterprise it's it's really kind of what I was saying in my talk, it's really more of the same, just better. Right. So I, I haven't seen a lot in the way of like breakthrough applications that we didn't have before. We're still a little bit, like you say, with Metaverse, a little farther down the road, but there's this other area, and I, I just look at it as an extension of knowledge management, where you're going to have these, this one company that they, they describe as having an AI operating system. And I think it's a good example. I, I, anyways, um, the idea here is that if you have enough AI through your organization, you can start to capture those speech threads that are going on. And through that, you could extract more intelligence. You know, you can find out where, you know, who across the organization is talking about topic X. And so I think the potential is there for tremendous knowledge management um, accumulation right of tapping that expertise within the organization that we don't capture yet because they're only talking about it. it's all oral right it's not 
written because once it's digitized it becomes searchable just like anything that's written I think we're going to see more of that but as, as we've talked about you know we mentioned with security earlier Chris I, I just think it raises a lot of red flags too because now there's the, the specter of you know are we going to turn our organizations into you know listening posts um, and surveillance because um, if you're going to capture all that, you've got to have clear boundaries about what's going to be captured and what's just going to be left alone. One of the questions I posed in my talk with Speech Tech is, you know, things to think about for decision makers and uh, IT leaders. You know, is Speech Tech now about speaking or is it about listening? Because I think we just naturally think about humans like to talk, so it's about talking. But it's, it's, it's a two-sided coin, right? You have to talk, but I have to listen. And if you're only listening, then that takes you down that surveillance road, which can be pretty, pretty choppy, you know? I agree. And I, I think that that's a broader topic because one thing that's happening is that the ability to collect and analyze data from a huge number of sources is uh, just growing by, not only growing by leaps and bounds, but is becoming much more of a core portion of IT in most companies and most enterprise organizations where the ability to build what they usually refer to as a data lake uh, that can, can assimilate vast amounts of data is very, very simple compared to what it once was. And the cost of the resources when you factor in cloud and a lot of other stuff to, to build something like that is, uh, is much lower than it used to be. And so there's a host of questions, but when you add speech and other forms of input like IoT sensors and things like that and video to the mix, it, it really starts to, to, to raise a whole bunch of different potential questions uh, as well as capabilities, right? Yeah, and you know, in this regard, I, I look to the contact center, which is another, you know, big branch of the tree at Enterprise Connect. Just so you know, folks, there are contact center only conferences where you just go much deeper into these things, but it's certainly a big part of Enterprise Connect's program. And, um, you know, that's, that's par for the course in that space where every interaction between customer and agent is always recorded. I mean, so they capture and analyze everything. So if you want to look for the model of how this is going to go, uh, you know, those privacy issues, it's interesting in the you know, customer service world, only the customers seem to be part of that equation. Cause like when you go on a, you know, call center, you know, in, encounter, right? That's the first thing you hear, right? You know, this call will be recorded for training purposes or whatever. So they, you know, you know up front you're doing that. Can you imagine going into a meeting, you know, at work or a meeting with your boss and say, oh, before we start, right, this conversation is being recorded. That would put you on edge, right? Because like every word you say now is going to be, could be used against you, could be, you know, all kinds of things. So if, if anything, it, it could diminish people's willingness to, to engage and collaborate because they may... If they, you know, they may hold back some things because they say, hey, someone else is going to be tracking this. 
who's to say that you know they're gonna someone's gonna hear my good idea and run with it there's all kinds of issues around this i just find it interesting that they do this in the contact center world as a matter of course right and they they absolutely capture everything for for actually valid reasons but I don't think there's a lot of abuses there, but I think within the enterprise, sure, there's a lot of potential for that to happen. And I don't know where the governance lies yet. I think that's, you know, that'll be an emerging area for sure, right? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, this is just kind of a qualitative data point, but if I think about all the Zoom and, and Teams meetings that, that I'm on, I see an increase in recording those too. Uh, not so much. I mean, we're recording this because it's a podcast, but I see meetings being recorded uh, more for people who can't attend and a whole bunch of other reasons to kind of, we think we're talking about some stuff we want to remember. It's, it's better than taking notes. So I do think that the barriers, if you will, to that are changing. And it just raises more of the questions, but all, I do see more of it on a day-to-day -day basis. So I just want to, there were two quick things, John, and that's all, sounds like a super interesting uh, uh, conference and program. I wanted to just go back on an acronym check because you mentioned RPA and for anyone who's listening doesn't know what that is, that's robotic process automation. And I also just wanted to mention that we were going to try, we're, our discipline's usually terrible with respect to time, but we were going to try to keep this to our, our promised 20 or 25 minutes, so just a quick time check in terms of what you might find were the overall takeaways for the conference. Yeah, yeah, good call, Chris. So to keep things uh, yeah, on track here, I, you know, I'll just leave you with a couple of takeaways. And, you know, Chris, we, we've seen this at other events before, too, where um, a good event to me raises more questions than answers. And in this case, you know, the, 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 you can just tell that, okay, three years has passed, so a lot of change has happened in the industry. And it's interesting that we still see most of the same players, okay? And, and I think as these newer trends emerge, you know, this, this these immersive experiences and metaverse, I suspect that next year you know if let, let a year pass and let things you know percolate and mature a little bit i i would love to see some you know newer big name vendors there and and, and one that i would certainly expect to see more of at some point would be a company like nvidia for example that makes the g you know the, the processing capabilities because without this you can't there's certainly no metaverse without these higher you know capacity uh processors because it's just so data intensive and bandwidth intensive. So I think we're going to see a little more of that. I also think we're going to see more mobility uh, players. I think you're going to see these uh, as 5G comes along and we have more IoT, etc. And again, that's where RPA comes into some of this too. Um, I think you'll see a little more presence from the mobile players because, you know, there's a real push to have more and more mobile in the enterprise. You know, Ericsson acquired Vonage, that's a good example of this. Mavener is a mobile player. They are moving into enterprise applications. Um, and the CPAS players, of course, are mostly about mobility. So I think we'll see a little more of that next year. And then the other thing too, of course, is it's a litmus test. You know, the level of 
engagement at the show was really great. People were just happy to be there. And, you know, barring any new variants, I think we can expect to see, you know, a full bounce back next year to, a, you know, to, to the, the levels of participation we've had before, which is, I think, obviously a very healthy, healthy sign for the industry. And also, too, lastly, Chris, you know, there is, you know, consolidation will continue. And uh, without naming any names, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last Enterprise Connect for a few vendors who we have seen regularly over the years. I think that's just the way the game is playing out right now. You know, the kind of the big players are getting so much bigger now and it's getting harder for little guys to um, to really get to a critical mass. So it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see. I think we're going to have more changes where well, there always is, of course, right? Always is. And, and I wouldn't be at all surprised, too, to see a greater attendance show from people you don't normally see at this. And what I get by that, it, what I mean by that is developers. So the influence of CPAS in this space is growing. And the kind of crowds you see at a Twilio type event that are very developer heavy, you don't see that here. But I wouldn't be surprised to see a little more presence from that kind of end of the spectrum next year because these worlds are getting you know bigger and bigger and closer and closer together makes sense could you spell out cpas for us could you just yeah thanks chris yes yes this is the reality check so yeah cpas would be communications platform as a service so it's another one of these x aas platforms where it's all about the SaaS model software as a service right where you don't buy any products it's simply a subscription service to a platform that's hosted in the cloud that allows you to customize applications on the fly so that's another watch this space idea Chris right CPAS yep no one really knew much about it a few years ago but it's one of the dominant uh, strains in our space now for sure okay thanks John so I guess we'll wrap up at this point we could always cover this a little more next time and after you get some feedback from other attendees and some of the folks you met at the show or other things crop up but good to see that you were back at a live event yeah me too me too and there are more coming so I think that's a sign of turning the corner for sure and uh, for anyone who did get to the show if you are registered, I know there are replays available of several sessions, um, not all, but mine was one of them. There was also another resource you might want to check out, certainly on the No Jitter website, nojitter.com. There, there's ongoing reporting of the show if you want to get more detail. And there's also one of the new things they added this year is called Enterprise Connect TV where they did like five minute, they had a little studio set up on the show floor and they had guests coming constantly. So I was one of them, but many others. So we all got our little five minute spots where they interview us about what we were seeing at the show. So that channel, you know, is, is streaming somewhere on their website. I don't know quite yet where it is, but if I, you follow my blog, folks, I'll certainly share that um, as, as, a, as it comes up. All right, so let's, that's, uh, I think that's enough for today. So let's uh, outro here. Uh, this is where I normally would cue the music, Chris. And folks, we will get music. Promise, promise, promise. How long have we been saying that? We will. Okay, but on that note, that's a good segue. That brings us to the end of our time for today. So we'd like to thank you for listening. 
We hope you enjoyed our podcast and that you'll continue with us as we explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. You can access all of our podcasts on uh, www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe to our podcasts. And I can tell you more and more of the mainstream platforms are picking it up, which is really nice to see. And uh, if you like what you hear, we'd love it if you left a rating or a review, a review for us. So with that, I am John Arnold. And I'm Chris Fine. Thanks, John. Great to hear all the new stuff this month. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will be back next month with Watch This Space.